For the last two months, pro basketball has been finishing its season in a bubble in Disney World. And last Wednesday, the Milwaukee Bucks were set to play the Orlando Magic in the first round of the playoffs. The Bucks are leading their playoff series 3-1. This is a closeout game. Everybody is expecting the Milwaukee Bucks to stomp the Magic and continue on to the next round. Our colleague Ben Cohen covers basketball. The Bucks are the team with the best record in the NBA this year. They are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and they are in their locker room, and they just never come out. The clock is ticking down, the Magic are warming up, the refs are by the scorer's table, and the Bucks don't show. And it becomes clear that they are not going to show, and that something kind of extraordinary is happening. That night, the Bucks did what no NBA team has ever done before. They refused to play in protest over the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The Bucks' decision would quickly ripple out across the sports world to baseball, tennis, soccer, and it would put the NBA's season in jeopardy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, August 31st. Coming up on the show, the biggest boycott in NBA history and where the league goes from here. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. NBA players have a history of activism. After the death of Trayvon Martin, LeBron James and the Miami Heat wore hoodies in tribute. NBA players protested and spoke out after the death of Eric Garner. And this year, after George Floyd's killing in May, many players joined protests in the streets. At the very same time, their league, the NBA, was trying to restart the season in the middle of a pandemic. And its plan involved isolating players at Disney World. Players would live, play, sleep and eat from inside an NBA bubble. But some were torn. They weren't sure what going into that bubble would mean for their activism. There was a lot of discussion about whether it was the right thing to do. And there was actually a weekend in June when the bubble was coming together right after the death of George Floyd, when it really felt like the whole thing might collapse. Players had a Zoom call over a weekend then to debate whether it was going to accomplish their goals or if it was going to do the exact opposite and distract from them. And eventually, enough of them felt that playing would be more productive than not playing. They wanted to take their platforms and leverage them and remind Americans why they felt it was important that they play, not just to play basketball, but to keep these stories in the news. And they did. As a condition of going into the bubble, the players demanded a platform for their message. 
It was hard to turn on the television and watch basketball and not be bombarded with what they wanted you to see. Black Lives Matter was plastered on the court. The players chose from a list of personalized statements that they put on the backs of their jerseys, which said everything from Black Lives Matter to say their names, I can't breathe, vote, equality, liberation. They kneeled during the national anthem. They raised their fists during the national anthem, which technically violated an NBA rule that the league decided not to enforce. Some of them used their media availabilities to demand that the police officers who killed Breonna Taylor would be arrested. And they refused to answer basketball questions in those availabilities and simply answered every question with a response about Breonna Taylor. My answer is going to be justice for Breonna Taylor. That's going to be my answer for everything. So um, I'm just letting you guys know that now. Justice for Breonna Taylor. They have become among the most influential activists in the country. And then, about a week ago, Kenosha police shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back, kicking off another wave of national protests. And some NBA players began to question whether their activism inside the bubble had been enough. The response in the NBA really started on Monday, the day after the shooting, when George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks said in this really candid moment with reporters that they shouldn't have come to the bubble. Um, first of all, we shouldn't even came to this damn place, to be honest. Uh, I think coming here just took all the focal points off of what the issues are. But And this was the first here. player openly wrestling with the idea of, did we make a mistake? Like, did we get this wrong? Why did he say they shouldn't have come? I think he felt that what the players had feared in June was exactly what was happening. The games had started and the attention on social justice had vanished. And I think they sort of realized that maybe isolating themselves from the real world was not the best idea. And it wasn't just George Hill and it wasn't just the Milwaukee Bucks. There was a similar buzz around the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Players from the Raptors and the Celtics started openly discussing not playing their next round on Thursday. That taking a knee and putting Black Lives Matter on the court and wearing personalized statements on their jerseys was just not nearly enough. We got to take responsibility as well. Like, what are we willing to give up? Do we actually give a f- about what's going on? Or does it, is it just cool to wear, you know, Black Lives Matter on, on the backdrop or wear a T-shirt? Like, what does that really mean? Is it really doing anything? So. Players from the Raptors and the Celtics had team meetings on Tuesday night, and they were still talking about it with reporters on Wednesday. Playing or not playing puts pressure on somebody. So Just openly example, floating and kind of telegraphing that they were going to boycott. And then the Milwaukee Bucks beat them to it on Wednesday afternoon. Breaking news now, the Milwaukee Bucks are boycotting the NBA playoff game that is scheduled to happen right now. This coming after the police And what was your reaction when you saw the magic out there, the clock's ticking, and the Bucks aren't showing? The whole thing sort of felt eerily like the night of March 11th. That was the first night that an NBA player tested positive for the virus. And I remember seeing tweets from reporters in Oklahoma City saying, something odd is happening. Players are leaving the court. And of course, the league was suspended, and pretty soon all of American sports were shut down. I think that was the night when it set in for a lot of Americans that things were about to be very different for a very long time. And this was kind of oddly reminiscent of that. 
There were suddenly tweets that the Bucks aren't on the court with 10 minutes left, and before long, games are being called off again. And it felt like something was happening in the arena, that there was a wake-up call that went beyond basketball. What's significant about the fact that it was this team, Milwaukee, making this choice? Yeah, it's funny because in retrospect, the Bucks were probably the most likely team to make a statement like this. This is a local story. The Bucks happen to be the NBA team that plays closest to Kenosha, Wisconsin. There's a player in the Bucks named Sterling Brown who filed a civil rights lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee a few years ago after cops tased him with a stun gun in response to an alleged parking violation outside a Walgreens at 2 a.m. in Milwaukee. And the city offered him $400,000 as a settlement offer, and he rejected it. He felt that taking money for his silence was not the best way that he could spread a certain message to the world. And the team was publicly supportive of him in kind of a remarkable way. It's issued a bunch of really searing responses over the years in response to other police shootings. After making the call not to play that night, players on the Bucks stayed in their locker room. They start frantically trying to get in touch with Wisconsin politicians, the attorney general, the lieutenant governor. And what they want to know is, what can we do next? Like, what tangible actions can we take? And they're in that locker room for a really long time. Finally, three hours later, the Bucks emerge and they read a team statement. And who reads the statement on behalf of the team but George Hill and Sterling Brown, the two guys who are at the center of this. What they said in this team statement was, we want justice for Jacob Blake. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. For this to occur, it is imperative for the Wisconsin state legislator to reconvene after months of inaction and take up meaningful measures to address issues of police accountability, brutality, and criminal justice reform. And that's fascinating because that was an example of clear, tangible action that they were taking. Has a game in the NBA ever been boycotted before? So there have been discussions about potential protests like this over the years. Craig Hodges, a guard for the Chicago Bulls, tried to get Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson to sit out an NBA Finals game in 1991, right after the Rodney King beatings by the Los Angeles police officers. And he was dismissed as too extreme. And what he says is that Michael and Magic basically said to him, this isn't happening. We're not doing this. Famously, the Los Angeles Clippers discussed this type of protest in 2014, refusing to play right after tapes of their former owner, Donald Sterling's racist comments became public. But they, too, decided to play after the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, banned Sterling for life. Not until last week had any NBA team done it in a moment as significant as this one. The Bucks' decision not to play grabbed the attention of the league. The NBA postponed two nights of games. And it also grabbed the attention of the rest of the sports world. Players in the WNBA spelling out Jacob Blake on their shirts with seven bullet holes in their backs. Baseball teams refused to take the field, starting with the Milwaukee Brewers in Wisconsin, not too far from Kenosha. On Thursday night... Start of the Mets-Marlins game, both teams walked onto the field and stood silently for 42 seconds in honor of the first African-American player in the major leagues, Jackie Robinson. Then they walked off the field, refusing to play, leaving a Black Lives Matter t-shirt draped over home plate. 
soccer, tennis, hockey, and baseball games canceled across the nation. Different arenas, but the same fight. This is something that was not limited to basketball. It quickly shut down parts of the sports world again. And for the NBA, it called into question whether the rest of the season, the season the league had tried so hard to save from the pandemic, was going to be canceled. The fate of the NBA playoffs was hanging in the balance. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. After the Bucks refused to take the court, the other NBA players had to decide where they stood and what their next steps would be. And the fact that they were all in this bubble together might have made that process a little bit easier. I mean, how often is the entire NBA in one room, in one place, at one time? The answer is literally never. This doesn't happen. So certainly it was easy for all of the NBA players to get in a room on Wednesday night after the Bucks decided not to play and decide collectively, what do we do next? What do we want? What are we demanding? And what will it take for us to get back on the court? I don't think anybody really knew what the players were going to decide to do. In fact, the most remarkable turn in this is that LeBron James, Chris Paul, and a few of the other players inside the NBA bubble call someone who they think might be able to help. And that person is former President Barack Obama. And they say to him, what do you think we should do? And what is the response? According to Obama's office, Obama tells them that they should keep playing the season, but they should get what they want out of this situation. And they discuss establishing a social justice committee, and they talk about sustained, meaningful engagement on criminal justice and police reform. So this sort of sets the stage for what happens the next morning as players decide that they want to extract some concessions from the league and from the owners because they have leverage here. On Thursday, the players held contentious meetings among themselves and with team owners about what concessions they would need to keep playing. And on Friday morning, the NBA and the NBPA, the league and the union, released this joint statement. And they essentially come to three agreements. The first is the formation of a social justice coalition of players, coaches, and team owners that will focus on this broad range of issues, they say, including increasing access to voting and promoting civic engagement and advocating for police and criminal justice reform, which is one of those things that the players discussed with Obama a few nights earlier. The second thing, and really the biggest thing, is that every team that owns its NBA arena 
pledges to try to convert that arena into a polling site for November's election. This was something that was already in the works for many of the league's arenas and had already been done for a few of them, but it was sort of the most significant political action, real action, that came from these discussions. The league also agreed to air some PSAs about voting and civic engagement to run through the rest of the playoffs. And how did the players react to this? Chris Paul, who was really one of the power brokers in this situation, was the first player to address the media on Friday afternoon after they announced this deal. 15 years in this league, and I've never seen anything like it. And what he said was that so many of the players in this predominantly black league were hurting after watching that video of Jacob Blake last week. We are tired of just seeing the same thing over and over again. Ultimately, what they decided was that if they left the stage of the NBA bubble, they wouldn't necessarily have the same platform to continue to advocate for change. Right, we understand how strong our voice is, how powerful our voice is. So we stood in solidarity. You know, we're going to continue to... To, to play, but we're also going to continue to make sure that our voices are heard. Yeah, it's also kind of a reckoning that's happening in businesses everywhere. I mean, th- these are the employees of the league. You know, they play the games. It's very high profile. But whether it's Adidas or other companies, black employees are demanding their employers to do more. It's exactly right. And, you know, NBA players are some of the most talented athletes on earth, but they are also employees, right, of a league and of 30 teams. And what they want to know is, what are you doing for us? Like, we want to use our power inside this league because we are the talent, right? Like, when we don't play, everybody notices. You can't have a league without us. So we want to feel like partners here. One of the interesting things going forward is going to be whether they do this again. Jalen Brown, one of those Boston Celtics players, who was clearly hurting last week, just like openly struggling with this, said over the weekend that there's nothing stopping NBA players from doing this again if they feel that their voices are not being heard, whether it's by the league, by the owners, or by the rest of the world. And it shows that, you know, this is a form of activism that we really haven't seen among stars and throughout a league in generations, if not ever. And this is not going away anytime soon. The players are emboldened and they realize the power that they have and they have no interest in letting their foot off the pedal. Today, the Republican-controlled Wisconsin legislature held a special session on law enforcement reform that was called by the state's Democratic governor. It was adjourned in less than 30 seconds. No bills were passed. Tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks will be back on the court in the first game in their conference semifinals. That's all for today, Monday, August 31st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.